You can close that because you got real time, baby. This is Coda Radio, episode 142 for February 23rd, 2015. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as your show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Well, darn near every week. Hey there, Mr. Dominic. Hey, listen, you know... <laughs> I got to come up with a new intro now. I got it. Look what you've made me do. See, I, I made it. I made a liar out of you, Chris. You only. You don't even know the half of it. You don't even know. So this week, I am plagued by two horrible things that have happened. But they're also good, really good things, but kind of horrible. Uh, which would you like to hear about? In which order? One involves you, and one does not involve you at all. Which would you just tell me? Which one you'd prefer to have towards the end? Do you want the one that involves you last? Because it's it's dramatic. It's intense. Uh-oh. All right. Well, yeah. Let's let's do a little little disaster first. Okay. Obviously. So yesterday we had a, a Sunday on the big show. We had a super successful five hour long live stream from Scale. S- you know the Southern California Linux Expo 13x. It was great. We had people stop by. We uh, we played like uh, like a dozen interviews. Plus we had three or four impromptu interviews on the live stream. And I recorded like four and a half hours of it. And I thought, you know. Let's put that out. Let's let people watch that. Well, it turns out a four and a half hour 720p file, even crunched super down with X264, <clears throat> still, still, still almost five gigabytes. 4.7 gigabytes. 4.7 gigabytes. So uh, it turns out pretty much every media platform out there craps itself, except for Scale Engine, when you try to upload a 4.7 gigabyte file. So getting up to YouTube took till about 11 o'clock at night last night. Uh, then it took till 1 a.m. to process it. Uh, so then I could post it just for our pick. Because at that point, then I had the other problem of distributing almost a 5-gigabyte file. I just I literally couldn't pay for that. So my so what I did is I put it out for our patrons over at patreon.com slash today. So they have the full four-and-a-half-hour unedited everything. They get to see the trolling. They get to see when things go break and we cover. They get to see the, all everything. <clears throat> you know, the stuff we were supposed to cut out of the interviews that when goes in the master show will be cut out of the interviews. Uh, that's available for our patrons right now, but that's the only place I could put it right now, and I'm going to distribute out the, it later in the week. Long story short, I ended up sleeping at the studio last night. I haven't been home since the Linux Action Show live stream. I haven't even taken a shower. I, I mean, I have changed all my clothes, so that's good. I have a change of clothes here. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's been my day so far. Is I've uh, It turns out I have an air mattress here that's loud, and when you move around... It, it makes noise, and that wakes mm-hmm. me up. So that was that was my 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 morning and my evening. But here's the here's the other thing, Mr. Dominic. I don't know if you noticed this, but when you when you called in uh, when you called in uh, CPA last week, I, uh, I I had something ready to go, kind of out of the gate. I don't know if you noticed this, but see here at Jupiter Broadcasting, we have been preparing for a week that has been hereby known as. Yes. The, the beard apocalypse. The beard apocalypse. Teespring.com slash no beard. 
Uh, and we have no editor this week. We are running raw dog here at the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. So we prepared in advance some submissions from the best of clips we got back from the holidays and new ones that people have continued to submit since then. And so we put together some best of episodes for the shows that are going to air while Rekai was out. So we had a Coda Radio in the can ready to go. So when you had to call in sick, well, okay, we got a cover episode. But here, here's the thing, Mr. Dominic. That means there's there's nobody here to edit right now. You see where I'm going with this? I I I I, I gotta edit this thing. I gotta I gotta copy it over the network, and then I gotta I gotta like set up a Final Cut editing profile and like so edit, Chris, and then I gotta Chris. encode it and upload it, and and then and then put it on YouTube. I gotta upload Shock. to YouTube. Ew. Shocking revelation. Yeah. I wasn't sick. Me and Rikai conspired against you. Oh, my God. This was all a conspiracy to get you off of free software. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, anyways, yeah. So, the beard apocalypse. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> oh, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good. Uh, how are you doing, Mr. Dominic? How's your life? Uh, I, I'm I'm crazy busy, but with crap. Mm. It's like I've become a professional. Uh, what do you call a guy who like shovels horse shit? Oh, I believe a manure scooper, right? Uh, I, I call myself a, a manure engineer. Yeah, I was gonna say you should fancy it up a little bit, like yeah. a uh, uh, like a manure deep dive a, specialist. <laughs> I don't want to be a deep dive <laughs> specialist. Um, it, you know, have you ever seen that extra normal video with the uh, programmer who retires to go shovel pig shit? Are you talking about that UFO flight that just crashed in Canada? N- no, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, what? You didn't hear about that? No. Yeah, you can Google that after the show. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a very funny extra normal video about a guy being lectured by uh, NoSQL hipsters who decides to just retire and shovel pig shit. Actually, doesn't sound so bad. No, it really doesn't. Uh, you know, cholera is a bitch, but I think I could deal with it. No, I know what you do to prevent that. <clears throat> you just eat a lot of vegetables. Takes care of that. Uh, I hate vegetables. Yeah. Hey, we got a little bit of feedback. Do you want to do that real quick? Just a couple. I got one that I think is a. Has, do it. I think one. You know how I'm a big uh, mover of the dial. You know. You know that expression. You, I, I heard that you're an influencer. Yeah, I say yeah. that. Yeah. I'm a. What do they call that? A. Uh, a think influencer on uh, topics of uh, relevant interest to a dynamic social graph of people. And uh, so when uh, new information comes into that graph and I parse it amongst my uh, big data repositories, Hadoop, um, then I come uh, Chris, out. Chris, I, I'm vomiting in my mouth oh, right now. Okay. So if you eat, yeah. Sorry. So uh, this is the last email on this subject on the Coda Radio program. Are you ready for this, Mr. Dominic? The last. I email. hope it's not Python and Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> really hope it's not. But- <laughs> I feel you like already know it is. You already <laughs> know it is. All right. So uh, this is, but here it is. Th- then we're done. Don't you feel good about that? Uh, so uh, Code Carnage writes in. He says the last Python slash Ruby post Chris last ever needs to read, and I agree. So, so I've read all the threads, and I have these things to say. They all, they essentially, all the threads, all the emails, they all boil down to this: choose the best language for what you want to do, choose the language for which you have support. And choose any language to start with. Starting is what's most important, right? <clears throat> all solid, 100% solid advice. All advice that your Coda Radio program has echoed. Uh, and but for some reason, that stuff hasn't resonated with me. I tell you what, Mr. Dominic, it just hasn't resonated with me. And so he says, he goes on to say, while those points are generally quite sound for most people, they're mostly a secondary concern to you. He's talking to me. Talking to me. Chris Lass, your circumstances 
are unique. And see, that made me feel fancy when he said that. So I'm like, okay, now you got my attention. He says, you're a podcaster with a substantial audience. And now I'm like, oh, you're making me blush. He says, more than anything else, your effort to learn a language is, wait for it, content. The interest (laughs) your decision has attracted just proves the point that there's a lot of demand for this content amongst your audience. Just like any other content, learning to code should satisfy satisfy your current audience and attract more viewers. <clears throat> so, Mr. Dominic, with that in mind, he He's says, going to see sharp. Python is more likely to be picked up by beginners. Python is more likely to be taught to beginners. Python is used in more fields than Ruby. Python is probably the most popular language used by your audience across multiple shows. Python uses, users are more passionate about spreading the gospel of Python. And Python doesn't carry as much baggage oops, sorry, as Ruby. Cough, cough, hipster. I don't think I need to spell out each of these factors related to learning a language as content. Maybe somebody came out to content-focused argument for Ruby. But I, I agree, says, too long, do not read Python. Got to do it. And I agree. You know what? For the audience, what? I think he's right. If I'm going to learn something and share my story on the shows, it should be something that is something the audience is into. Ergo, I think it should be Python. Why not? It's not a bad language anyways, and it helps me tip the scale. What? All right. Fair enough. But you know what I noticed through this whole little argument for like a month now? No one wrote in Java or anything like that. Mm, yeah. It's been like Python, Ruby, and there was a couple of Go guys. If, I don't sure. know if you saw those. Yeah. Sure. I think there was like one Rust guy. Yeah. And, and, some, and you know, about uh, once every week we get a Pearl guy. Hey, man. Hey, man. They're still here. We get a Pearl guy from time to time. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take a break right here because you know why? Because it's just too perfect. Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Uh, they're sponsors of the Linux – of the Linux <laughs> – oh, I've been here since the Linux Action Show. They're sponsors of the Coder Radio Program. They, you know, they actually do not sponsor the Linux, uh, Linux Action Show, but I think we gave them a plug uh, in that live stream. Uh, anyway, I know, and I think I'm, I'm sure we said I'm sure we said go to linuxacademy.com/coders because that's where you go to get the Coder Radio discount and support your favorite Coder Radio program. And here's why I'm, I can say like, all right, you know what, I'm going to do Python, and I'm not a crazy person. I don't just flip flop like, uh, well, you know who. But uh, no, it's because I have my boys over at Linux Academy, and they got my back. Look at right there. I logged into my uh, Linux Academy course here, and uh, boom, introduction to Python on Linux. No, not a problem. Total module length, two hours, 30 minutes. And by the end of it, I can do a lab where I create a backup script using Python. And the reason why I thought that was actually kind of cool is that's kind of my old wheelhouse. Uh, that's what I would have done in Bash uh, with probably like rsync and SSH and all that crap uh, back in my sysadmin days. So the fact that sort of the end result is to go create a backup script, which is where my head used to be when I was writing these kinds of things, is perfect for me. They got courseware on Ruby too. They got courseware on all kinds of stuff. They're adding new stuff constantly, uh, and in fact, coming up really soon. This is just a little uh, behind behind the scenes thing. Hopefully, they don't mind me telling you guys this. Uh, but it, they are about to do a big giveaway on April sixteenth. Uh, it's their largest giveaway ever. They're also going to roll out new features and content and giveaways when that comes out. Uh, so go check it out. They're going to have a live stream. It's going to be their largest content announcement ever, a major core feature release, and a new summer course roadmap uh, coming up very soon. So check it out. Uh, it'll be on April 16th. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to get started. 
so much great content. And I love, too, that because they're super passionate about this content, they're really good about staying current. So as the projects that you know and love change, or the projects that we've even covered right here on the show change, they adapt their courseware. Plus, they have 7-plus Linux distributions you, you can just choose from, and that will also automatically adjust the courseware and the lab VMs that spin up for you. Uh, and their AWS stuff is bar none. Uh, Linux Academy doesn't try to do everything from, like, fix your sync to Photoshop. They focus in on this kind of content, this core stuff, Linux, AWS, OpenStack, the whole DevOps world, Android development. They've got a great course over there. Check out all of it. Go start by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. <clears throat> Can't wait to start my – now I know. Now I'm going to do a Python course. Are you okay, Mr. Dominic? Or uh, you didn't uh, – you don't want to, like, have a divorce now or anything, do you? Uh, you know, I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> so, right, maybe you can help Mr. Uh, Mr. Greta, because I, or Goretta, or whatever his name is, because I feel like this might be in your wheelhouse. Get ready to kick some ass, Mr. Dominic. He says, I'm sure this has probably already come up, uh, and maybe you've already expressed uh, your experience with this, but I couldn't find another subject on this. My situation is I do an occasional freelance work for a friend and a full-time PHP development for a larger, you know, around 20 employees local company. I know my friend's financial situation isn't great, so I often don't charge him for small jobs, ah, like running updates on his server. Okay. Even so, for any paid work, he usually pays the same day. By contrast, a larger company usually takes two to three weeks to pay any invoices. Ignoring my request to be paid within 14 days, it's included in the invoices. I often submit them before the date on the invoice in hope that they'll at least be in their system soon enough to pay me on time. Frankly, this has a negative effect on my motivation, especially when they ask me to do it overtime yet have not responded to my questions about overtime pay. I don't know if I'm being unreasonable here. Any tips or feedback would be much appreciated. Ooh. Ooh, what do you think, Mr. Dominic? Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to answer you. I mean, some of it like depends on your state, but if you're a contractor, you're, you're generally not entitled to overtime unemployment or any of that kind of stuff. So you're not protected by employment laws at all, right? No, it would be up to you to have your own after-hours rate. Right. Uh, the other thing is, I don't know how, you know, the bigger the company, the less they care about the terms of your contract in terms of payment turnaround, right? Um, I. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> two I don't. Two or three weeks isn't that bad. To yeah, be I won't. With you. I, we, so, Jupiter Broadcasting for our invoicing has a uh, 30 day uh, payment yeah. window, and um, it would not be uncommon to have invoices out 90 days. Right. I mean, I, I used to do a lot of net 15, and even that really just meant, you know, 60, 90 days, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, uh, I've heard, and, and, and I have heard from other podcasters that they have literally had like six month payment cycle when like because because some of it for, especially for advertising and podcasts and it, and it could be you know could be the same kind of thing for development budgets it comes from a from a certain budget set and they have that certain money at a certain time and so they pay when they have that money they don't give a crap what your date is and what are you gonna do right and, that, and, that, and that, the other thing is right the larger the company um the more common the work you yeah. do is, you don't I, have a whole lot. As, a, you know. as an IT contractor, I was lucky that my wife had had previous experience as yeah. a collections agent. So when, when, when contracts would be late, you know, she knew sort of what things to say, what buttons to push, and what steps to take, and how to sort of uh, escalate, you know, maybe like a finance charge for late payments and things like that. Yeah, that stuff, I, you know, I, I tried the whole, like, interest thing. If it was, you know, whatever, whatever, like, 30 days late, I think I wanted to charge interest. But sometimes they don't care, or sometimes it ends up not being worth it because it kind of ruffles too many feathers. 
Um, yeah, that sucks. Accounts receivable basically blows, right? Because what's going to happen is you're the more you need the money and the more you show you need it, the less likely they are to pay you. Especially if they're not being scrupulous, right? Because mm-hmm. they'll know they have a negotiating position now. Um, so I don't know, Chris, if you've ever had anything like that, but I remember when I was first freelancing, I had a situation like that. Like once you tip your hand that you actually need the money, that's the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah. I, I Unfortunately, my advice for this is if you cannot financially structure yourself so that you can't ride out uh, these gaps, then this is probably not the right career path for you because fundamentally managing this is going to be one of the key things. And also being able to fundamentally manage this and not constantly stress out about it is also going to be a key thing, especially if you have yeah. a partner, because they're also going to have to be on board with all of this kind of these gaps in payments. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I want to circle back, though, on the asking for overtime. Uh, that also sort of demonstrates your approach is kind of wrong. You don't go to them and ask them for overtime. If you're a contractor and they are hiring you at an hourly rate, then you can decide if you're going to have an hourly after hours rate. Uh, and you just need to make sure that you price yourself in, in something that they'll still pay, but you feel is fair to your time. You don't ask them for overtime. If you're a contractor, well, you tell them what the rate is. And what I would probably add to that is, right, there's always problems on both sides of the equation in most cases. I mean, if these people just don't want to pay you, period, yeah, that's totally on them, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you are working a lot of nights and weekends, that's probably indicative of, of a... You know, did you give an overly optimistic estimate to get the contract? Did you, yeah. you know? I also, that- I would also say, you know, he says it's a larger, around 20 uh, employee company. Uh, That's not very big. No, so they, and you know what? That probably also means uh, they around don't have the money. Yeah, at around yeah. twenty employees, they're yeah. constantly cash draft. So, so the big thing is right. Big companies always have the money, but there's always a uh, like an accountant who's like, "I'm not doing a." Ma-. I literally, Chris, had this happen a couple years ago. An accountant told me, "We we are not writing out a check." We are not doing a manual, they call it a journal entry. You're waiting for, they use some sort of like electronic thing to print a check from Chase yeah, Bank. Right, yeah, yeah. You're waiting for that. I am oh, not yeah. re- taking responsibility for this entry. Right. And yeah, what was I going to do? It's a light, you know, yeah, you know, it's yeah. just funny because, so that's the really frustrating thing is the smaller companies have the efficiency where they'll just cut a check, but they don't have the fluidity of funds. The bigger right. companies have the funds, but they have the, deferral bureaucratic system where nobody wants to take the blame nobody wants to be the one that puts that name on the check let the system do it let the expense account pay it from the system we'll ship you a check yeah sorry it's going to take an extra two weeks right and that's what happens like i yeah i would i don't know unless chris has a better answer this is a problem i think that's just like if you're freelancing you're consulting you, you want if you're dealing with little companies, you're always going to have the risk of they could go insolvent like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, if you're dealing with big companies, they really don't care, right? Like they're going to follow their procedure because that person doesn't want to lose this job. If so. it's a, if it's a really big deal for you, like if it's a matter of pride and your motivation, you could do like a you could do a you could do a fee after thirty days. Uh, well, but. What, what, yeah, what does work? What too are you going to make? I, five bucks, and yeah, you're, you're going to look and, like a. And, and it, it seems petty. And yeah. next time there's there's work, they're not going to want to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would ask is, and we don't know this, Chris, but if you're doing like a fixed contract and you have you know like a like a milestone set up, you'll deliver this demo by this date. You could stop. You could have it in the contract that you stop working till you receive the payment. Um, that's risky too, because that automatically puts you in kind of a confrontational mm-hmm. position. But if you're just doing straight hourly and like invoicing every, I don't know, 
I guess, 30 days or whatever you're doing. That's super hard. Also, you could also look at other ways of invoicing. Um, like, uh, I don't know if you're just like, are you actually printing out and sending them? Probably not. Uh, I doubt that. FreshBooks, yeah. you know, one of the nice things about FreshBooks is they'll tell you by, based on like link tracking when the client has viewed the invoice. So you at least have an idea that they've seen it. Yeah, I mean, you're probably sending PDF invoice. I mean, even like LibreOffice, you can make a nice looking yeah. invoice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I, that is a, that's a difficult thing, uh, Mr. Gata, but I think. Uh, uh, good luck. It's, it's, it, that is like the, the core problem of going like independent. Yeah, is, and, and yeah. really, like uh, the other, so you got, you have to, you, what you have to do is be able to write out the uh, late payments, which happen. Then right. also, which also means you have to be able to control yourself when you get a lot of money that comes in because somebody finally paid. And then the other thing you have to be able to do is figure out that line between how many clients do I need to make sure I have at least enough money coming in, yep. but still have enough capacity to take on a big project from time to time to make that money to buy that thing I've got to buy or pay for that thing I've got to pay for. Uh, and that is that's the other side of it that is really hard of the money. Well, and the other just just to add one more point, right? It, it's super easy to like oversell to say, oh, well, we'll just bring in more work. I'll just you know stack clients. Um, but one thing to keep in mind, you don't have that protection of being an employee. So if you screw up a job, they don't have to pay you. And it, it's up, yeah, to, it's up yeah. to you to sue them, right? It, it's not you know, the, I, and it really depends on your state. But the state's not going to hold a gun to their head and say. You know, you have to pay because they could say, well, you were late. That's a breach of contract. You're done. So, yeah. And thankfully, yeah. you know, I mean, that and that'll, that'll happen. It really well, it actually seriously depends on the company. Like, yeah, uh, I've, I've never had someone go that far. But, but I've had like the, oh, well, we want to make this change. And we think it is somehow implied in the scope. Right. That's always my favorite theme. Uh, implied flexibility. Yeah, and again, if you're doing hourly, you're saving yourself a lot of pain. But geez, that's a nice gray area. Yeah, right. The the, the language of the kind. Yeah, so we should move on from this. I know a lot of people just aren't interested, but okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we change any big topics, I'll mention something that uh, really worked out great for us over the uh, over the whole Sunday five hour stream period, and that is our next sponsor, Digital Ocean. So DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up a server. That's where they start. But then they back that with some amazingly powerful hardware, all SSD drives, tier one bandwidth at great data centers all over the world. I'll tell you more about it in a second. But I have to tell you, from my experience just this weekend, it was unbelievable. It was unstoppable. We were sending a constant 720p high-definition stream from the floor of scale, 13x. Uh, it was a, a – no, it was – he had a 96 megabit up connection, I believe it was. So we bounced that signal off of a DigitalOcean droplet into a, the receiver software here in the studio. We're going to do a whole – uh, segment on how we did all of this in a future episode, all powered by Linux with DigitalOcean sitting there running perfectly the entire time, R- just like a rock. Uh, and so we had a five-hour stream, and it was just flawless. It's And it's it's great because the way it works is you never have to worry about overages or how much bandwidth you're using. You can get started in less than 55 seconds, and pricing plans start only $5 a month. And you get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20-gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. So I knew I was set. I was fine. There's no problem to handle this. And they have data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. So we spun ours up in, of course, San Francisco because Seattle, you know, here on the West Coast. And he was down at the South, South Southern California Linux Expo in L.A. So uh, 
It was kind of an obvious choice, and it made for just an amazing connection. I love that flexibility about DigitalOcean. And then it all is powered by this, or it's all controlled. It's all powered by Linux, but it's all controlled by this amazing control panel. It's very intuitive. And you can even replicate the functionality on a larger scale with DigitalOcean's straightforward API. So you've got apps and integrations with your OS. And this is a really nice thing, too, because Loa's on, no, Loa, Lois Lane, Noah is on location at scale, and if he needed to, he could fire up one of the – there's a several really, really great Android apps available to manage, also for iOS, but he has Android, to manage uh, your DigitalOcean droplets. And you can find out more in their community section and check them out because they're really good. And uh, he could, if he needed to, like restart the droplet or relaunch a process from his phone taking advantage of people that have already used DigitalOcean's great API. And then later on, like if we were really going to get slick and we needed to provision multiple servers for streams, we could script it all using that API. It's so cool. And you can get it right now for free for two months if you use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. CODERDIGITAL, one word. CODERDIGITAL, apply that to your account. You get a $10 credit. You could draft the $5 rig. Two months, absolutely free. So many things you can do, and they have one-click installations, too, to make it even easier. And then, to really get you set up, they have a bunch of amazing tutorials. I mean, really, really, really top-notch stuff, because they've paid people, too. I mean, it's a really, it's some of the curated best content. They have editors. It's, it's really neat. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL, and just go get started and uh, try it out. CODERDIGITAL. Get you $10 credit. Big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Now, Mr. Dominic, <clears throat> I have a couple things I wanted to talk to you. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to talk to me about. It's been a couple of weeks since we caught up. A couple of things have happened uh, since you've been gone. I'm going to throw two topics out there, and you can punt both or pick one. Number one, BQ actually sold like 12,000 or something Ubuntu device, like a whole bunch of, not 12, a whole bunch yes. of Ubuntu devices. Yes, topic, yes. That- topic number two, Superficient Lenovo. Oh, my gosh, what the hell? Which one? Yeah, I mean, okay, it's the Superfish thing, right? I, I think that's been covered to death. I don't think we really need to talk okay. about it. Uh, right. do, don't, as always, I don't like to buy things that are from not the U.S. because I'm crazy. Right. Yeah, that, that's what people say. But, uh, I mean, everybody puts spyware on everything these days, so I guess you're um, screwed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't think everybody does do that. I don't. I don't believe everybody does do that. I don't think Apple or System76 do that. I don't know about Dell or HP, but I hope not. Mm, Maybe they do. I guess you're right. You know what? That's true because I, I would do. feel. Uh, well, okay. At what point is crapware spyware? Right? Like, I you know, I, I actually kind of wish it hadn't got labeled spyware because that's not really the, what it was. What, what yeah. really the problem is is other people could take advantage of it to also misrepresent who they are. What it really, what the fundamental problem was is it allowed for once you know about it. It allows for anybody to kind of exploit it. We covered it on TechSnap. Well, it, and it was super evil, right? Like, even if you wipe the machine, it comes back on. Like, you know, the other thing they're doing is they're analyzing what you're looking at to, yeah. to derive the ad results they were sending you. Yeah, I, I, I don't. And then one thing, you know, before we before we totally get off it, just the one thing I wanted to point out that I thought was interesting from this show is, you know what? Uh, we have it linked in the show notes. Uh, there is a post on who funds Superfish. Uh, surprise, they got offices in Palo Alto, California, uh, also offices in Israel. Uh, they have uh, venture funding from pretty much a lot of the well-known Silicon Valley startups. Uh, they have an entry on Crunchbase. It tells you more about that. They are um, like this. They are one of many companies that have cropped up in the last eight or nine years 
that uh, are just collecting a whole bunch of crap and and getting backed by uh, VC funders because they think it's this great way to get uh, you know to get in there. Um, also, yeah. somebody else who funds this is uh, a guy. Uh, uh, Drapper Fisher Juverston. I'm not even sure how you say that, but uh, he's the uh, co-founder. He also has investments in Coinbase. Uh, so there's a lot of big names behind this. Uh, so it's not just Lenovo that's using it, but there's also a lot of big names in Silicon Valley that are funding it. And I think that's an interesting angle to it. Yeah, I, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned. I really wish I had bought a box, like a computer, right? And it was just the parts, the hardware, whatever limited warranty I get for 30 days, and that was it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Like, no, I don't need e- even like okay, because Superfish is super evil, right? Huh. But like, I don't need your Dell special DVD burning toolkit, really. Right, right. You know, if I wanted a Windows box, just give me a Windows box. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like the most surprising thing to me about this is that it didn't happen earlier or didn't get caught earlier. Uh, yeah, well, I guess so. That isn't well. They only did it for a limited time. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like yeah. we're going to see more stuff like okay. this because, yeah, but we can move on. All right. Well, at least so, uh, yeah. I'm curious. Do you want to yeah, talk about yeah. this just real quickly? This Ubuntu phone thing because we I don't I, think I we've would, talked. I would. I would love to discuss. So they have. They sold out uh, on their first flash sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is. Uh, it's not like a. It's not like a doorbuster phone. You know, it's really. It's everybody's hardware specs. Kind of looking forward to the next one. Uh, but uh, but other, otherwise, uh, seems to be like it's been pretty well received. It was just demoed uh, um, uh, at uh, at scale a little bit, and I think it's going to be demoed at Mobile World Congress uh, this week. What do you think? Any thoughts uh, since the release? Does it change your opinion about it uh, at all? Not even a little. Oh. <laughs> hmm. So okay, um, it looks pretty. I would consider possibly getting one one day. I don't still know why a normal person would buy this over an Android phone. Yeah, yeah, I, I, okay, I, I could agree with that, and uh, I, I don't know if I have an answer for you. Uh, maybe, maybe, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Why would right. you? Why, why would you? Because there's, you know, there's Android phones at every price bracket. There's, I mean, if you really want to go, I mean, first of all, this is not a cheap device, right? It's what, what is it, 170 uh, euros? Which I don't know what the conversion well, that's is. That's not bad. But that, well, that's not like low end affordable. Okay. I mean, to me, that's not, you yeah. know, yeah. my mom yeah. goes to the store and buys it out of pocket kind of affordable. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I kind of don't get it. Um, like, Here's what's not sitting yeah. right with me. Uh, over the weekend, I think it was this weekend, Forbes ran an article saying that uh, Canonical now sees widespread adoption of the uh, Internet of Things platform Ubuntu Snappy. Now, uh, I actually think Ubuntu Snappy is a pretty great product, a good idea. It's like three weeks old, though. There's, it's not seen wide industry adoption. It's seen some big pickups in some good places. For sure, but it's not it wide industry adoption. I guess that to me makes it sound like it's kind of become like an industry standard, uh, where I, it's more like a few great places now run it. Um, and the other thing that about that story that bothers me is, and we're hearing it over and over again, is they're spinning all of the all of the work, the work we developed to create a snapshot update for a carrier grade device. We are now applying to the operating system, and I just. Uh, 
I guess uh, they're trying to spin this whole thing like all this time we've spent doing this, it's all been worth it because we've made this better over here. And really what, what Ubuntu Snappy to me appears to be is sort of this knee-jerk reaction to CoreOS. Like, they thought they had it... They had something called Ubuntu Core before before that was for running virtual machines, and they thought they'd nailed it then because they thought it was all going to be in virtualization, and they just sort of built it, like, during the 6.0 era of Ubuntu, and they just kind of left it. And then, well, and then CoreOS yeah. comes along and says, well, hey, how about we do a rolling-based operating system, and we containerize all the applications so that way they don't break constantly. And then, boom, all of a sudden CoreOS starts getting adopted. Rackspace goes all in on CoreOS. Uh, DigitalOcean goes all in on CoreOS. And Ubuntu goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, here's Ubuntu Snappy. And then the, the way they spin the story as, we've taken the lessons we've learned from making the phone, and we've brought it to the server. And it's partially maybe true, I guess, but what it really kind of no, feels... It, it, it's truthy, right? It's, it's like, oh, we sold out on our flash sale of only a couple thousand devices. You know, it, it's like, okay. It, it, it all seems like... And it, I don't know. To their credit, Canonical has a really, really good way of spinning PR. Like, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the headline, I'm just kind of Googling around while you're talking. Ubuntu phone sells out. Um, how many did they make? Right. Right. I've, I've actually heard, and I, I do not know if this is true at all, some people by checking the uh, uh, order numbers, and they think this is probably wrong, some people said 600, but I'm sure that's really wrong. I'm sure that's super wrong. I'm sure that's too low, but, but I bet you it's, you know, a couple thousand, right? Maybe even like five or six thousand. Um, and I'm totally speculating, canonical people, please don't stab me in the heart with a. Well, let's just, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll just give it to him. Let's say it's 12,000. Why not? Let's just say it's 12,000. Right. Say it's 10, well, that, that, that's a little more respectable. Like, I well, got No, I, can... I mean, let's just say it is. Let's say it's 10,000. Let's go with that. Right. Because it probably will be soon. Yeah. This whole thing. Okay, so, so when last we left Ubuntu, right? Last year, we really focused on it. Their thing was you're going to take our phone, you're going to plug it into some sort of little dock, and it's going to be like your one device to rule them all. Right? The convergence thing. Do you remember that, Chris? Or was I yeah, they in haven't, some sort of haze? They, no, they haven't lost that. It's just uh, it's on a longer scope. Really? Because I'm looking at their marketing here. This looks like Android. I mean, this, this is a smartphone. This is not, they're not pitching me on convergence. Um, well, that's because the current generation of phones aren't really capable of it. You know, that's the problem. Is like if you remember when they did that uh, when they did that uh, Ubuntu Edge or what was it called? The uh, Ubuntu yes, Edge? yeah, the one that yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a crazy like sapphire glass quad core, yep. 120 gigabyte Rockstar. Like that, still nobody can ship. I mean, I mean not, I, not even Apple, even though they had sapphire glass plants, could ship yeah. sapphire glass. Well, you know, their sapphire partner like went bankrupt, right? And Apple was like, yeah, mm, yeah. sorry." Yeah. What? Um, I, I'll confess, I don't get how Canonical's like making money here. Well, so all. so here's the. Uh, I actually think it's a pretty solid strategy if they can get uh, adoption. So the idea would be is a carrier or a company or a you know like and when i say company i mean like it could be a business like um what if like jupiter uh, this is just like uh let's just go just just if, just so that way i don't have to use other names let's say jupiter broadcasting was like this uh 500 person company and we actually had like 30 sales staff right well i could equip them with a jupiter broadcasting equipped ubuntu phones and these scopes would have like all of their sales information it could have all of like because the diff the different scopes are kind of like google now cards in a way but uh, tied more directly into your stuff. 
And so you could go through them and see, like, here's the sales appointments, here's some media presentations, here's a mini sales kit, uh, here's a video of like that we've put together that you could show people on your phone. Uh, and so you and it would all be Jupiter Broadcasted branded. It would all be automatically the image would be ready, set, go to go to all the Jupiter Broadcasting backend services. And I would maybe hire Canonical for uh, you know ten thousand dollars or something to custom build me this image. Uh, now take that and apply it to somebody that's like a much bigger like a, a carrier in India. And now you can start to see where they can make some serious money potentially. And it, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be doesn't have to be for consumers. It could be just directly to businesses in some cases. And you know, you can also they can also argue the privacy aspect. The entire core of the phone is audible. All the source code is there. So if you're worried about Western government intrusion, you know, take a look at the code. It's all there. It's all GPL. That's that's the compelling for some people. Canonical's on the hook to support it. I, I guess, right? I guess right. So maybe like you you would do a. I don't know because see, this, see, see, if, this, if this argument, I guess if this argument, if you play this argument all the way out to its logical conclusion, then 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 they should be making a ton of money from all the people that are using Ubuntu now. Well, right. It should be the same argument on the desktop and the yeah. laptop and the tablet. Yeah, I can't reconcile that. Yeah, I don't know. Right, and how come? You know, because you know, because there's no carrier contracts there, right? There's these are carriers they're going to go to. Yeah, but there's already so many Android device makers nipping at the heels of the carriers yeah. to kind of yeah. get them to I, I just I, I mean I hope I'm wrong you know that that magical third third horse would be great in this race but you know, and you know what I think is really going to be devastating is Android 1 right because Android mm-hmm. 1 it's the hardware is subsidized by Google they're, they're, they're subsidizing data to the Play Store so users can download apps from the Play Store with subsidized data uh, and so they, I yeah. think I think they're getting the prices down to like seventy five dollars, and they're going to get them even lower uh, for some of these Android One devices. And Google, uh, I've been reading, I haven't covered it much in any of the shows, but Android One has not disappeared. Uh, Google is actually shipping hardware, and uh, they're actually expanding the program right now. Right. And what about you know Microsoft's whole scorch the earth, get Windows Phone as cheap as possible for the uh, for the developing market? Uh, didn't you see? Uh, didn't you notice? Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe you missed this. Uh, they just backed uh, Cyanogen. Um, yeah, I think I think Microsoft's given up. Uh, given up, or are they going to so, ship like Nokia Android phones? So before thing. we shift gears to that, I just want to say: right. so Android One phones always up to date from Google. These are like right. Nexus style updates from Google. All the latest play, play apps with cameras and high end processors because they're subsidized by Google. That that in my opinion, I don't. I'm what do I know? But in my opinion, that's that's what Firefox OS and Ubuntu Touch are up against right there. Anyways, so you were saying. All right. So the, the, the model you laid out for Canonical, if that was so good, why didn't they do that? Like Mr. Mango in the chat room, awesome name. You know, why didn't they do that on the desktop years ago and just make like a, a pseudo proprietary version of Ubuntu desktop? And give it a support contract and sell it to enterprises. Well, they they were never able to crack the the the, the entry points into that market, which were really. I mean, they did eventually get to Dell, but it was too late and never enough, right? Uh, and same with same with all the big manufacturers. Like they just it never no no one person ever really got that. But now they have something they didn't have before. What 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 is going on over there? What is that noise? What what are what you doing? What, that, that that tapping? Are you tapping? Are you? Oh, what is that? What oh. is that? Yeah, that. that. Oh, yeah. 
Sorry about that. I'm just, I see the uh, Linux makes my hand shake. It's oh, like a, so that was yeah. you. Re- yeah. So here's the thing. Yeah. All right. So uh, uh, I I suspect that the carriers are the big differentiator because they don't have to convince the end user. They just have to sell the carrier something the carrier really wants. And if they can do that, then they get market share. They don't have to convince people to buy the phone because the carrier will give the phone away for free. That's the big difference. That they never, the had, they never, they never had that, that opportunity the, on the desktop. Wait, but in, in the business environment, we're seeing BYOD. We're not seeing your employer gives you a phone too much anymore. No, maybe. Yeah, for some. But I'm, uh, I mean, so I think there is some employers where that still happens, and Ubuntu has a good has a good solution there. But I was actually thinking more like uh, just really like get a smartphone for free when you sign up with a two-year contract, kind of like for direct-to-consumer kind of stuff. That's where I think to consumers they'll appeal. So you're thinking this is actually – see, I didn't even see this at all as a consumer play. I think okay. not initially, not initially, but I think after it gets some polish and it gets more apps and, it, you know, the OS has been updated a couple of times, I think it could fill that role pretty well. Uh, I mean, what is the story about, like, develop for Ubuntu phone and it works on desktop? Is there a story or is that like it's, a Microsoft-style mm-hmm. universal? Uh, you know, You know, there are actually legitimate – uh, I would not say I, they they do not look totally desktop friendly to me, but there are legitimate like QML based apps like music players and and uh, and video players and and web browsers that work on the phone and on the desktop. Um, in fact, there's some really good demo videos. Uh, let's see Ubuntu Ubuntu Touch demo video. There's some really good videos that show it, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, here we go. So here's one that's uh, from February. So that's pretty recent, from February twelfth, and uh, you have uh, you have video playback here. So I'm gonna, I don't know how loud this is, but here we go. I'll play this for you. This is a demonstration of the convergence features that are built right into the heart of the Ubuntu SDK. Here you can see that we've got the phone and the tablet, both running exactly the same application. This is called Karma Machine, and it was the winner of the last Ubuntu App Showdown. Uh, this is an application that is a Reddit client. It provides an easy... So you see how on the tablet... So, and then, of course, that's how it looks on the tablet would pretty much be how it looks on the desktop, too. I don't know. What do you think of that? All right. So it is very akin to the universal app thing that Microsoft is doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish them all the luck. I just... I mean, I feel I like this thing- is actually a little more legitimate. You just write the app. It's using Qt yeah. and QML. I mean, it's... I think the other thing, too, is, like, I've seen them over the years do so many, like, this is our big, this is it, like, we're going commercial, you know, we're going to, I mean, Chris, don't you have an Ubuntu TV in your bedroom? Mm. Mm. You know, like, how, how many times, I don't know, maybe, maybe I, I, I don't buy it, I'm sorry. Here's another. Uh, here's another screenshot. Here's what their uh, core music application might look like across uh, the laptop, tablet, and phone. What are you thinking of that? That looks very nice. Like that. That is a very good looking app. Yeah. I see. I'm not totally. See, here's why I don't think it's totally crazy. They have to recreate a lot of the wheel to do this. But like, for example, uh, I, I for like their file manager. And for, like, their terminal application, they're embedding existing Qt and KDE technology. Like, for the terminal, it's console. It's console in their own Qt, QML, whatever, wrapper. But they're not, like, creating a terminal from whole cloth. 
they're using a very good terminal. So if you, you know, that is sort of the beauty of their open source approach here is they're going to be able to pull in these components that other projects are maintaining that are doing a really good job working on. And like things like console will continue to be worked on for a long time, integrating that into their software. So they're not having, they're just having to do the trim around it. And uh, it, 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 it seems feasible to me. I'll tell you right now, uh, it's definitely not at a point where I can use it for very long. I use it for a little bit, and then I usually jump back to Android. Uh, but I, I, I listen. I, I mean, I think we've been beating it to death. But I, I wish them tons of luck. Um, mm, you sound skeptical. I, you know what? I was really optimistic about the original Dell Sputnik, but then they couldn't get it down to a reasonable price. You know? Did you know I got an XPS thirteen? Yeah, oh, the new one, the 12-inch? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's a, no, it's actually, it's 11 inches, but you get, like, essentially, you get, like, 13 inches of screen space and, like, an 11-inch housing because it's edge-to-edge glass, which is really nice. It's a, it's a, it's a high-DPI display as well, uh, and uh, I've been running Linux on it. To some success, I had to replace the wireless card, and uh, the sound doesn't work unless I have external USB audio. And I got to tell you, it's a pretty good laptop, but it's still not as nice as a MacBook. Um, you know, uh, it's it, it, there's seams, which is just it's so petty. It's it doesn't right. if this stuff doesn't bother you. It is such a yeah, great little laptop. I, it looks and you know nice. what else? You know what else burns me? They said 15 hours of battery life, and all of the reviews say the same thing. It's more like eight hours of battery life. How, how, how do they get away with, with no that? Wi-Fi, no Bluetooth, the screen black? Yeah, and maybe you know, with the i5 instead of the i7 too. Right. right. Um, yeah, oh, I think yeah. we should leave it for today. All right, we're just gonna, yeah, very good. All so right. uh, I hope you, I hope you have a great week, and uh, maybe the news fairies will bring us something you know really interesting to talk about next week, or maybe the audience will send us something interesting to talk about. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, and choose Coda Radio from the drop down, or go to codaradio.reddit.com. Mr. Dominic, do you want to send anywhere, anybody, anywhere? Uh, just uh, at Tumanuko on Twitter. Very good. And assuming I figured out how to edit this episode and release it before next week, join us, won't you? We do the show Monday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, over at jblive.tv. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get this converted to your local time zone. And uh, why don't you follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash chrislas. All right, everybody. See you right back here next week.